What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of One More for Safety. Today, my guest is Conrad Snyder. Conrad is a fantastic engineer, producer, mixer, all-around badass. Based in Nashville, you may have heard some of his work with Wilder Woods. He's just finished a project with Patrick Droney and a bunch of other amazing shit. I mean, he's just fantastic. Uh, I absolutely fucking loved this conversation uh, for not really knowing each other very well we've known of each other for a number of years but he just has a way of bringing you in with honesty and being super genuine and i uh, i hope you enjoy it you know i wanted to i wanted to start this with with saying you're one of the only people i can think of uh that's doing what we do at a really like at a high level in nashville that nobody has one bad thing to say about oh man that's so nice to hear and, i'm sure you could find somebody well i i have not and i've i've been around a lot of people that say a lot of things about a lot of people um and i just like what's your secret to that because that's that's remarkable especially in a town like nashville uh i feel like it could be kind of some people can be a little shitty about things but yeah i mean i think um i i see you know, I see Reed Chipman post this a lot, and I think this is a like he has like one saying, and I'm sure it's not his saying, but it's just like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna botch the quote, but it's something like, um, something about being kind because everybody's going through their own struggle, mm-hmm. and it's just like keeping empathy at the forefront of your mind and all of your interactions, and being like, man, if someone's having a shitty day, it's not about you, that's about somebody else, and. Yeah, really like we have the ability to change our reality through love and compassion. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's not a it's not an easy transformation to make to to keeping those things in the forefront of your mind. But they really are kind of magical qualities to try to inhabit um, that along with gratitude. And, um, you know, you can allow space for for where people are emotionally but you don't have to i don't ever i don't really feel like i have to engage in it and in Mm. fact um you know i can just hold space and do my best do my best to to show them that they are loved yeah i that's a really uh remarkably like wise way of going about it i mean it took it took me a really long time like being it like an, an assistant and an intern to realize like half the time when people are having a blow up it's not about what you did or about you personally it's about what they're going through you know the pressure that they're under or all the other stuff that they got going on at home that you don't know about that they don't bring into work and it it takes a long time to to come around to those types of that way of thinking and um, it's just it's interesting to, to talk about with people because I feel like that's not a, a, a belief or a way of thinking that's particularly held by a lot of people I've worked with. So it's just it's something I wanted to talk about here. Yeah, I mean, it's I, th- I think it's I think it might be more important than the music you're creating in a way, because, you know, Gabe Simon and he oh, yeah. speaks super highly of you. You know, we were. We were talking the other day, and it was we were talking about what we are actually selling when we are are selling a song. Yeah, and 
this idea is that like we we upload to Spotify. We want people to listen to music, and that's what that's the product. The product is the song, and it's like, I man, I don't think that's the truth. I think the truth of what as as we are salesmen of our music or peddlers of our music, what we are actually selling is a, an emotion, mm. and and the song is the conduit to which we deliver that emotion. Yeah, and so like follow that back all the way to the creation. Like if we are uh you know if the correct intention of the emotion is not being poured in to the creation of the music right how in the fuck do you expect the listener to receive that emotion yeah and it's like man if like people if people are having just a shit day and they're in their heads and beating themselves up or you know however however yeah. that manifests in someone's life like well we're already missing the point of music a hundred percent i i couldn't agree more especially i mean you think about the way that, <clears throat> that music is sort of treated it, i'd say like maybe top 40 music not music in general because there's a lot of really great music being made but there's a lot of music that's it, it's almost created to be disposable in a way or like oh we're it's we're going for tiktok views or we're going for this or like uh, the next quick viral dance or something and and I don't feel like the, the the amount of love and care is being put into that, like you're saying, where it, it's is the intention right from the beginning, and it's it's it goes back to something that I, I've really tried to take on in the last like year of of being a producer or an engineer or even just mixer as as just being a guide to their their journey of like this isn't about this isn't about me. A lot of engineers. Um, well, at least some of the bigger ones can put themselves in front of the project, you know, um, it's easy to do. It is. It's very easy to do because this is your livelihood and this is, you know, you want your, like, you want your stamp to be on it, but to, to just take a step back and be like, I'm here to help guide them to where they want to get and, and get what's in here out into the world in the best way I can. And me putting myself in front of that is, is not going to be the way to do that. And I've noticed a big change in in the way things have gone just taking at least being mindful of that, you know. It's it's interesting. But I wanted to talk to you um what what original like what originally got you into music? Like what age did did you get the bug? Um man Probably as a teenager, I, I got, um, I started going to church and I like loved music through church. And though I don't really connect to church or music in that way, it's, it, it was a, I mean, it was definitely a catalyst for like picking up a guitar and learning mm. the guitar. And, you know, cause it's like when you're in a big group, of, I mean, and it, this is, I mean, concerts are kind of the same as church you're in mm -hmm. a big room with a bunch of people and big there is a spirit experience. of something flowing yeah and so it's like you know i kind of caught that bug through that way and um uh led some worship in high school and in college and did some young life camps and mm -hmm. um you know decided that i wanted to do music now i moved down here uh in 2005 and then okay. met my first roommate and we were kind of sitting around trading songs and he um 
it was his turn. He started playing and singing. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is the... He was so good. So mm -hmm. good. And still is so good. His name's Aaron Roach. Uh -huh. And it's like, this is the first person I've come across. And he's so much better than me at everything. <laughs> that like... I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do what he does. I'm never gonna do what he does. Yeah. Um. So like you know, and I had been interested in engineering when I moved down here, but it was like, it's like I need to. I need to radically shift my expectations of what I'm going to do in this scene because like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't. I can't dream of it. Right. Um, or it's gonna take a long, long time right. for me to develop what he has. For sure. Um. So that, man, that spurred me into engineering specifically. Really? Yeah. What that's about so, you? That's so funny you say that. Well, I'll, I'll circle back to, to that, but you saying that reminds me of the very first time I walked into a guitar center in Nashville, and it's the guitar, oh the guitar center on right by Berry Hill. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just kind of perusing around, and I hear, I hear somebody just ripping uh, Cliffs of Dover, like Eric Johnson, and I'm like, holy shit and i like come around the corner it's like an eight-year-old kid and i went like well fuck i'm done like like i didn't come here to play guitar but it was one of those things of like yeah just never mention you play guitar in this town no <laughs> never I mean, people ask they go what do you play i'm like well i'm i'm friends I'm friends with like Ian Fitchick and yeah. uh, Todd Lombardo and uh, like I know all the session players. So they play. Yeah. I can make sounds. Yeah. And record <laughs> those sounds. And then it, at the end, it resembles music. Sure, right. Yeah. I can make a really good call to somebody and be like, hey, yeah. I need you to do this. Yeah, there's a, I mean, Ian's such a good example of that where you're like, oh, yeah, we hired, you know, we hired him to play, come play drums, and, you know, and then the drum takes over and he's in the corner on a keyboard and you're like, holy shit, he's ripping the keyboards. Like, yeah, let's lay that down. And then 10 minutes later, he's walking around with an acoustic. You're like, well, yeah, put that on too. Like, what? And then you're just like, yeah, one man band. Yeah, it's, that's, um, there's so many people like that in Nashville. And that's why I'm just like, nah, I'm, I don't, I don't do that. I'm on this side of the glass. And then, Sure. Yeah. Um, but well, I guess I guess what got, got me into music in high school was like uh, my dad, like I grew up around music. I love music. I always like thinking back, I knew somewhere in there that that's kind of what I wanted to do. Like I always had like a shitty plastic guitar that I had no idea how to play, but I wanted to, you know, I always wanted to play drums and stuff, but my dad would never buy them because he was a drummer and knew how loud and chaotic that was going to be. Um, but I remember, and this is such a like cliche rock and roll thing, but I, I was sitting in the backseat of my dad's truck when we were waiting to like pick up food and he had just like put in a Van Halen record and I'd never heard anything like that. Grew up on like country music and like Mean Streets came on and I was like frozen and where I was, I was like, what is going on? Like, what is this? Cause it's got that crazy weird tap thing. And then from there, it was just like, okay, well, I'm I'm gonna learn guitar, and then that just, you know, isn't that crazy? How you just really like I don't know if there's I'm trying to think maybe nature like maybe going out in the nature provides a similar experience, but like there's nothing like being affected by a song. No, 
Like, there's nothing. It uh-uh. just freezes you in the track. Like, you s- talking about that reminded me, and this is actually when I wanted to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. I was working at Best Buy in Kansas City. That's where I'm from. Okay. And uh, I was, like, in the television section or something. I was the worst salesman. It was, I was horrible. <laughs> and, but this dude who I worked with was like, man, you gotta come over here and hear this. Yeah. And we had a little f- music 5-1 set up when they were trying to pedal that stuff. Yeah. And I sat down, he put in Sea Change, uh, Beck, that Beck record. Oh, yeah, yeah. In 5 1. And I was just sat there and I listened to the whole thing and I was working <laughs> and got in trouble. But like, it blew, man, it blew me away. I was like, I don't understand. And that record still blows me away. It's one of my favorite records. But, yeah. Um, yeah, similar as you, man. I was just like, oh, I have to do this. Right. I'm like, sure. I have to find a way to do this. Yeah. I'm sure that, that even. Because you had such a profound experience with that record, you can still revisit that and have, like, sort of tap into that same amount of, like, awe and inspiration, too. Because I, oh, yeah, I do that, too. I mean, in fact, you know, like, I, when I was playing guitar, I was always recording, like, myself with a cassette player or something. Because I, like, I have insane music ADD. Like, I'll play something once and then immediately change it, like, on the next turnaround. Oh, wow. You know, like, I don't do it anymore, but when I was like younger, it'd be like I'd I'd play something and be like, "Ooh, that was cool." And then by the time I try to repeat it, I'm like, "No, it's changed." So I started. That's how I started recording. Was like recording myself and then friends and then bands and and all that. And there's definitely those like little moments you can think back, like when you hear a a song where you're like, "Oh yeah, that's why I want to do this." It's like for me, one of the ones was um, "Cold Desert," the Kings Leon. The, one of the oh, ones yeah. that Jakir did, yeah, and like you hear the story on that where they they're so fucked up they don't even remember that they recorded it, and like that's crazy. The vocals are like kind of in and out of time and out of tune, but he is basically ad libbing past the first verse. He has nothing written, Whoa. and you're just like he gets to that line, the Jesus don't love me, nobody ever carried my load was just like. When I heard that, it's like, bam. Okay, well, this is. I want to be around to make something like this and experience something like this in the moment. You know, <laughs> how awesome, man! How awesome that you uh, come to town and start working for Jakir. Oh, I know that was such shit house. Like that's luck. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I actually I remember when I first got to town. You and Gabe were nice enough to take me to breakfast, and we sort of talked a little bit of like I was like, man, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, do I go talk to like studios do i go to intern do i go to school like what and then uh i mentioned like yeah like you know i, I have jakir's email i don't know like what to do with it and you're like yeah for sure you should talk to him before you do anything wow i don't remember that at all well i'm glad yeah i'm glad you did yeah um and i'm glad i did too i'm glad i listened because that that worked out uh really great for me i mean i i have some of the best experiences of my life so far because of that. So, um, thanks for being kind. Uh, so you get to, you get to Nashville. What brought you to Nashville? Was it, you were coming to write or coming to be an artist or were you here for college or? Yeah. School. I went to Belmont. Belmont. Um, Is is that where you met Gabe? Uh, where did I meet? Yeah, I met. Yeah. Well, I graduated before him. I'm trying to think if he was, I guess he was at school. But I met him through, he was in that band, Capecchi Family Band. Yeah. And I knew Kelsey, and I met Gabe through Kelsey. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 
yeah, we, um, we've known each other forever. It's kind of weird. To, it's like all the different lives people li live throughout their one life. It's yeah. Like, it's like, oh shit, when I met you, I was a different person. Yeah. I mean, you both were, you're were both, you know, you were, you were here to be, sound like for more for being an artist and then sort of pivoted to you know, engineering and producing. And now like Gabe went sort of the other way. He's still an artist, but now he's producing and he's crushing it, man. His stuff sounds so good. He I know. was playing me a song he wrote the other day and I was like, this like it this isn't going to Brandon Flowers, but I think Brandon Flowers would murder somebody for this song. Really? Like it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I can't I, I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah. It's crazy. That, that guy's a wizard. It he's so funny and just chaos. And I love it. He's, yeah. he's all over the place. And it's great. Yeah, his his stuff is always like, he'd send me stuff. I'm like, what? why are you having me mix this? This is already like so cool. And like, I'm just going to spin my wheels for a week. And then we're going to go back to, you know, like, <laughs> just, he's, he's hilarious that way. But um, so you get, you graduate college and then, and then what? Are you engineering I was full time? Well, I was working during college. I worked with um, or worked for a guy named Russ Long. I don't know if you know him. I know um, the name. I, I don't. I don't think I've met him. He's an engineer in town. He did that. Um, I think his the biggest thing he's done is that Sixpence record with uh, Kiss Me on it. I'm trying to think. Mm, I'm terrible with names. Um, six. Oh well. It I'm was a huge it. song in the '90s, like a gigantic song. Oh, that song. Uh, yeah, it was in like movies and shit. Yeah, like in every movie. Yeah. Like yeah, once yeah. every five or six years, like it's back. Yeah. And yeah. becomes huge again. For sure. Um, but uh, I met him through Belmont and started working for him. And it's interesting, like your first question just about like how do you maintain a good, um, uh, what's it called, reputation around town. It's like I learned a lot of that from him. And he hmm. was always and is, is still one of just the kindest people I know. And very patient. I don't know if I've met an engineer who is more patient than him. Really? And yeah, I mean, I try. I try really hard, and yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hopefully like bust through the ticker tape and and win win that prize. But <laughs> um, he's just he's just a gracious person. It's like, and he'll, you know, if he knows you and he loves you, he, he'll take you can take any of the gear, any of his gear you want, and yeah. like he's just kind of there for you and um. That's... Yeah, I learned a I learned a lot about humanity just from watching him interact with artists and being like, okay, like everybody likes this guy. There's not anybody who doesn't. Yeah, that's um, that's awesome. There, that's a, a such a a great thing to find early on in your career when you need a lot of grace. You know. Yeah. That's um that's important because, I mean. When I got here, I didn't know shit. You know, you think you do. Like you're like, oh yeah, I've I've done this, and you know, I've I've made little records and stuff. Like I think I have a grasp of at least the basics, and then you're like, oh, no, I don't know anything. Yeah, no. My favorite is when you feel like you know something, uh -huh. and you're do and you're doing good work. It does appear like you know something, and something switches in your head, and then you're like, wait a minute, I don't know anything, and uh -huh. then you don't like, and then you can't make music. <laughs> like something happens and there's like, at least for me, it'll last like a month or two and I'll be like, what, what was I doing? It's like this deliriousness yeah. sets in 
And then I have to pick it up and find it again. It's like, it's a weird thing. It's like I lose that creative spirit or that flow or whatever. Yeah. I, I, it's so funny. Like I have the same thing where I'll like look back at like a mix template or like open up an old mix that's not that old and be like, what, what the fuck was that? Like, yeah, I could have done this so much better. Or like, it's just the stage you're at then you're like, oh yeah, what was I? I've gotten rid of all this stuff. Like I don't have any of these things anymore in my template or whatever. It's like, it's, it's funny how those little cycles come and go where you think you're, you're doing good work. And then you're like, Oh God, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing again. <laughs> Bro. I've done the reverse where actually that happened to me recently. I'm mixing this record and I mean, I did this record, uh, I think it came out in 2013, but it's one that like people keep, when they come to me, they reference and it keeps coming up is this, uh, record called uh, with this artist Nightbeds, mm-hmm. and the record's called Country Sleep. Okay, and um, this artist was referencing some tones and just the mixes in it, and um, so I went back. I was like, I wasn't nailing these mixes, and I went back and listened to the record. Went back into the session, be like, what was I doing? Like I don't even remember. Yeah, and it was like, I mean, it's the reverse where it's so good. And I've stopped doing some of the things that I was doing that made it so good. And really? it's like, oh, I forgot about that. And I'm not I'm not doing that as well yeah. now. Like, I need to kind like, of step back into it. What were some of the things, that, like, can you think of anything offhand that you're like, why did I stop doing that? Like, this has made a big difference. Um, Man, one of the big things was um, the reverbs I was using. Okay. Um, that was during the time when, like, everybody had those cracked plugins yeah so you could have like literally any plugin you wanted and i'm sure who knows what kind of like malware and viruses were on everybody's computer so many. um but um the lexicon native uh pcm i don't know the their native reverb pack uh-huh. um not a lot of people use them any i don't know anybody that uses them but yeah. I, for a time i was using those reverbs and dude like they are amazing really like, super amazing and they have they have like a chamber a vintage plate uh i mean i don't think they have a spring i don't know there's a a room there's a lot of different like uh plugins yeah to to the bundle but man it's just like the way it fills the space like it just feels feels amazing i have to look those up i use the lexicon but the ua version so it's like yeah kind of neutered but still sounds great but yeah that's that's so funny, man. That like how 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 old are those mixes? You said two thousand thirteen. Yeah, two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. Wow. So they're like, like eight years ago. Yeah. Wow. That's that's just funny, man. That just goes to show. It's like you just never you never quite have it all figured out. Even when you think you do, you're like, wait, I got to go back to this. This was actually helping. Or, uh, it's funny because I think. I was listening to a pure mix thing with Andrew Sheps was talking to Jakir and uh, like Andrew's now, he doesn't even have like uh, a compressor on his two bus anymore. Whoa, cool. And I was like, what? Like you're the guy that's got a compressor there. And then, you know, his whole back bus thing that he does where he's sending the whole mix to another compressor and then blending that in. And then it's like, whoa, now you're not doing any of that, huh? And he's like, yeah, my mixes are way better. Like, crazy yeah it's just it's so it's so funny to me that 
no matter we all we always get like so bogged down in gear but it's always the magician not the wand right it's like sure it's the person in their ears and their tendencies and that's what makes their sound like jakir is such a good example of that whereas like you know when we would like co-mix stuff it's like i have much more of like i would say maybe a modern approach and a little more heavy-handed on things and you know if i would I'd start a mix and then get it going. And it's like having it feel what felt good to me. And then he would spend maybe an hour or two and be like, Hey, will you come listen? And it's like, well, this is a Jakir mix already. Like, wow. It, and I don't, it's not that drastic of a difference. It's just the way he hears things and balances things is always just, I always, uh, I would, I would describe his mixes or his mixed, uh, process is like death by a thousand paper cuts it's just a bunch of little tweaks across everything that add up to this thing that just kills so it's 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 interesting i always i don't know i'm fascinated by this stuff is he changing like in those scenarios is it mm-hmm. like is he changing the processing happening to each track and the overall buses and all that stuff or is it more like volume blend a little bit of both or is it kind of you know, both him. Yeah, uh, and it's not drastic. Like he may change an EQ point, just like oh, I'm gonna shift it a little lower, and then that's it. And or wow. or a little higher. Like he might just change the EQ point or uh, change how much it's boosting, usually by less, and then a little bit of like volume. But it's just little touches all over that are like oh wow, that's I wouldn't have gotten there. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. It's always that stuff's always so fascinating to me. But so getting back to the studio for you, when does when does the brown owl come into your life? Um, man, shortly after that, I um and R.I.P. Man, they're uh they're shutting the doors uh oh, no. in March. Are they? Uh, mm-hmm. Um, Bummer. which you know, like everything's changed so much. I think it's a good it's a good call. You know, it's yeah. Um, but. Man, I don't remember. I think that was 2010. Mm. Uh, but I had had, you know, like everybody had a little bedroom rig uh, mm. that was in my upstairs in my house. It's where I did a bunch of mixing mm-hmm. and uh, some recording. And then uh, my friends who I had met actually through Russ, uh, a guy named Chris Kimmerer and another guy, Mark Sibilia, they were living together and they had a studio in the basement of the house they were renting. Yeah. Uh, except there was like no wiring, no anything. And so they had gotten my number and I was like, well, I'll wire it up for you. No problem. Do some drumming for me. Yeah. And so I went over there and I mean, you know, at the time it was a really cool space. Now, like I wouldn't work in there at all because it was sounded horrible. But, um, (laughs) but I was like, Hey, what if I move some gear over here? And like, we shared this space. I could get out of my house. Yeah. uh, Um, at least tracking, and so we did that, and it was, man, we all got, when we were all working together, we all got way busier, mm. um, which, you know, speaks to the fruits of collaboration. Yes. But, um, so that went on and was g- going great for a few months, and then the landlord was like, hey, I'm selling the house, so you guys got to get out. Oh. And, and it was <laughs> like, we had a couple records lined up, and we were like, oh, man, we're just getting our feet wet. Like, what are we going to do? And I think at the time, you know, we were probably 24, 25. Wow. And 
like didn't have a ton of money to find another spot and um at that time Berry Hill was nothing like no studios were over there I mean Blackbird was over there House of Blues was over there and I think the old Sputnik was over there yeah it was and I think in the House of Blues right is that where I mean I just honestly yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um but not a whole lot of other spaces. And so we went and looked and found this like shitty house for, I think it was like a thousand dollars a month. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Now it would be great. And, um, but so yeah, man, we were just like, well, okay, we have this place. We could do this. Or if it's too much of a stretch, we can go, you know, back to our bedrooms essentially. Right. And like, man, that just didn't sound like very much fun. Like we were having so much fun. Yeah. Working together, collaborating. I was like, let's go for it. Let's do it. Or one of us was like that, or we all were like that. So, um, man, it was a real stretch financially to make it work for us. Like we weren't mm -hmm. all working all the time and what we were working on was barely making any money. And like people don't, really think about it but back then it's like they hadn't really figured out streaming people were still stealing music right and like the bottom of the music industry had just like a few years back completely fallen out right so it was like man it was hard to get any sort of budgets that were anything yeah usable so it's like um but we did it and uh mark ended up having to live in one of the bedrooms <laughs> of of the studio and like I mean, it was kind of a real shit show for a few, probably about a year. Um, but it was it was one of the first, I mean, I guess I don't know this for sure, but it felt like it was one of the first studios that felt really kind of like producer slash artist friendly. Mm. As far as like, there's not a huge learning curve of a console. There's not like, it's just all outboard gear. Like you would norm, like you would find that anybody knows how to operate. Yeah. And um, uh, and then a, a rig, a Pro Tools rig, and I, for the time that was different. And um, it was you know I think we charged like at first two fifty to three fifty a day. That's um, yeah, that's good. Just like nothing. Yeah, that's not so it's like the price is right for all the people like us who have no money. Right. Um, and man, for the time it was just a really like. And the room was cool. Like the room, the drums in the room sounded pretty cool. Although it's funny, I did get a call or a text or a call from Reed one time and he was like, hey man, um, people are talking about how shitty your room sounds. You might want to fix it or you're going to have a bad <laughs> reputation. I was like, I, rem I remember this sense of panic. Just like, oh fuck, Reed Chippen is, yeah. is, is very kindly telling me how shitty yeah. my stuff sounds. You know, yeah. it's a different way of caring, but I saw the care in it. Yeah. But at the same time, man, it was so petrifying. I was just like, oh. oh that, yeah, like, your stomach drops, cold sweat immediately. Like, oh, no. Yeah, we're going to fail. This is going to fail. Like, you know, still being afraid of, of failure. and Yeah. Uh, but it, it didn't fail, and it kept going. And uh, it a lot of records I love were made there and um, super proud of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, good on Reed. I mean, that's a that's not an easy phone call to make to somebody, but to no. to make it like to to make it in the spirit of not twisting the knife, but to like, hey man, I want you to succeed. So if you're gonna do that, you need to fix this because people are talking. You know, that's um, yeah. that speaks a lot to to Reed, and I've got a lot 
I've got a lot of good things to say about Reed. Reed's just a fucking solid dude. Um, that's that's so cool. It sounds like you guys are ahead of the curve, honestly. Like with it being so producer and and like artist friendly compared to like you know everything else in Berry Hill at the time is like this big commercial space with a giant console and you got to have an assistant to get you going because it's so complex for most people. And now it seems I remember. Like- sorry, I, yeah, I remember Vance Powell walking in. Um, at so at some point we I brought. I asked Russ, my old, um, mm-hmm. the engineer I used to assist for, I was like, hey, man, you want to be involved at the OWL? Like, you're not using a lot of your tracking gear. We'll cut you in, and it will require nothing of you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, that having him in there brought other eyes, like bigger eyes, to what was going on at the scene. Sure. And I remember Vance walking in, and he was like, he just laughed. And he was like, you don't have a console? Like, what are you guys doing? You can't have a studio without a console. Yeah. And we were like, well, it's like, well, it's kind of like this hybrid thing. It's like, it's something other people, I think, will want. Yeah. And he just kind of laughed at it and was it's like. never going to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I get it, man. Like, listen, I've got a, I've got a Rupert Neve 5088. Yeah. In my place now. And it's fucking awesome. Like. I get the console vibes. He's not sure. wrong. But, I mean, you know, at the time, like like you said, it's like people get intimidated by that shit. And, yeah. like, it definitely, there is benefits to having a console, and I love working on them. I would yeah. prefer to. But, like, some people are just like, I don't want to do that because I don't understand it. And yeah, it's a barrier it's gonna, to your cre- creativity if you, if you yes. don't have the chops to, to run one. Yeah. And... Like from an engineering standpoint, somebody that's got their ten thousand hours like you, where you're like, well, yeah, this is just an extension of the rest of you know. This helps me get where I'm going. Uh, it makes sense, and especially for somebody like Vance Powell, who's you know a fucking assassin on everything he touches. Like that makes yeah, that makes sense. Sure, you wouldn't want Vance Powell to make a record without a console, but you know, for the most people that you're probably were marketing to that were coming in to, you know, do a write or a demo or, or do a, um, an EP for, you know, pretty cheap. That's the best case is like, okay, you know, we've got good gear that anybody can figure out and you don't have to have this giant learning curve. So that's, that's hilarious. So I could totally see Vance coming in and just, <clears throat> okay. Yeah. No console, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> a quick story. Reed Shippen is awesome uh, because I, well, I shouldn't have, but I entered in on in this Pure Mix mix competition because when I did work with Pure Mix, they gave us a free subscription. So I had like a bunch of downtime after this gig. I had like a month and I was just running through all their like mix stuff just to have like cool. source material to, to mix. And I entered in on the Reed Shippen contest just because I was like, well, I just did it, so I'll put it in. I ended up winning, which I amazing was was great. I mean, I got Sonar Works out of it. It really helped. Uh, I did feel guilty. It was like, well, I've done some work for Pure Mix. That was that kind of felt like nepotism or, or whatever. But Mark from Pure Mix like texted me. He's like, hey man, Reed wants your number. Can I give him your number? I was like, oh yeah, so. Uh, we Reed and I go back and forth, and he's like, "Yeah, I had some comments on your mix, just so like, like it was really good." But I have some some notes for you. I was like, "Great, let's get together. Like, let's have coffee or, or drinks or Sick. something." And uh, it took a while because he's a busy guy, but 
we we got together and we had some drinks. Um, I forget some bar in Green Hills. And uh, the first thing you know, we he introduces himself, and the first thing he says is like, "What can I do for you?" Cool. And I'm like, "Yeah, man, I don't want anything from you. I just like I want to get to know you, and like I'm a fan of your work, and uh, you know, like I, I don't I don't want anything from you. I just want to know you." And that was, and he was like, "Okay, cool. I just like to like on these types of things. Like, how can I help you?" It's like that's rare, you know. Yeah. Especially, you know, for somebody you don't really know. And then we concluded that, you know, we had like a drink or two and he's like, what do you need? Do you need any gear? Like anything you want to test out? And I was like, oh, man, I've been like lusting after a a two bus plus I was looking at. And he's like, well, I got one I'm not using. Come to the studio. I'll I'll let you I'll let you use it. I'm like, "Uh, okay. You know, we drove over. He. He had already lent it out to somebody else. He forgot about it. But just, (laughs) you know, just the fact that he was cool enough to, like, take some dude that he just met and be like, hey, man, I trust you enough to borrow this piece of gear. Um, Says a lot about Reed. So, Reed, you're awesome. Uh, Real quick. So, we've gotten through the brownout. When do you build the space that you're in now with your badass? I know you just got your Rupert Neve, but when do you move to the space you're at now. Is this at your house? It is. Yeah, I think it was 2000. You know, I think we moved in 2008 to the Owl because we were there a few years. And then mm-hmm. 2013, yeah, it's at my house. Okay. okay. Um, I think it was finished in 2013 or 2014. It's hard to remember. Yeah. What was What was your, what drove you to move everything back home? Well, uh, so I had, the Owl had, uh, a separate a side bedroom mm-hmm. and mark had moved out and i moved a mixing room in there so that i could be mixing mm-hmm. even if the owl was booked for tracking mm. and like man it's a 1950s military house like the the walls are barely walls right and um you know i did my best but man sound control is difficult like oh, it's yeah I'm going through that right now. It's expensive, <laughs> and you kind of need to have it from the ground up if you want it to be good. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, we were. I was always walking out and being like, "Hey, I'll turn down if you do," <laughs> you know. And it was like these are paying clients. Yeah, like it's kind of they were nice, but they could have just as easily been like, "Well, yeah, fuck you. We're yeah. paying your day rate, right? And we're having to listen to you mix." Right. And like, you know, the studio, like my studio partners were great. Like we never really fought about anything Mm -hmm. or argued. It's just like, what do we need to do? Okay, let's do it. It it was really like just the best scenario for a partnership. Like uh, we wanted ever we wanted each other to succeed. And and in that, I saw that me having that space next door was like the antithesis of allowing both of us to succeed. Mm-hmm. It's like I couldn't succeed and nor could the studio. Right. So it's like I need to find a different situation. And so the original intention was just for me to build a space to mix and do some produ- pre-production and production and then use the owl for everything else and I would keep my gear over there. Right. Um and man it just I got the space built and there's something about just being able to walk 
20 feet back mm-hmm. and get in the studio and go that was like i think i need to completely exit <laughs> the owl so i can uh just have all my stuff yeah um so that was like a couple years into having my space and uh um you know it's like you do miss the community there's something about seeing people every day and just kind of like having that camaraderie that doesn't I mean, it doesn't exist when you don't have a shared space yeah yeah i oh, i i get it i'm i'm in the same now i went from like you know being at jakir's place all the time with jakir and you know uh our assistant danny and our and our intern and then like you know everybody you get there early, kind of shooting the shit, hanging out, and then kind of the same thing. And then now I'm like back to this place where it's it's just me, you know. Uh, what made you guys move? Uh, it was it was kind of a lot of things. Um, number one, like we had kind of we'd been toying around with the idea of like moving back within like five years, just sort of seeing where the thing things went in Nashville uh, career wise for me, but. You know, we're we're kind of on an island out in Nashville. We don't have any family out there. We um, have some family friends that we were would see every once in a while. But I was working so much that you know you don't see anybody other than the people you work with. So yeah. we were kind of on an island, um, and thinking of having kids and doing that whole thing, and kind of like, well, you know, if we're gonna have kids, it's like it's so helpful to have that community of family where you can lean on each other and especially with the kind of careers you know i have my wife my wife is like in interior in interior design and um has been doing a lot of like home organizing for people so it's a lot of just it's sporadic and um we'd always kind of thought like within five years maybe we'll move back and i'll try to you know do something in phoenix because the the studio level here is just not even close to nashville i mean it not many places are right but yeah of course um so it's kind of all that compounded with um the pandemic and the lockdown and like right when nashville got locked down my wife was at the park with the dog and fell and broke her collarbone whoa yeah so then we had to you know go to the hospital then she had to have surgery like two days later we were stuck indoors for like a month during her recovery and all this it's just all this compounding like stuff and I think she was really just feeling the isolation, like on top of the normal isolation. And and she just one day at lunch was like, "Man, I just I th- I want to I think I want to move back." I was like, "Okay, let's let's see what it takes." Because we had a house in Franklin, we had, well, a townhouse in Franklin, and like the year prior, if we looked at our like Zillow Zestimate, we were upside down. And I was like, "Uh oh." Uh, well, we might be here for a bit, you know? And then um, yeah. I called our realtor and he's like, oh no, you guys, it's so hot right now still. I was like, really? So we looked and like we appraised for well over what we, you know, bought in at and it would have allowed us to get out of some debt. So we're like, okay, Amazing. well, let's just see what it's going to take to list it. Because this was right when they were saying that like the sky is falling and like, the economy is going to crash and we're all going to be in a depression. So I was like, well, who's going to buy a house in a pandemic? We might as well list and it might take us six months. It might take us a month. Who knows? And we sold in three days. Dude, that's insane. Yeah. And it was a cash, that is insane. cash offer <laughs> over asking and a uh, 30 day close. 
So we went from like, maybe we'll move to shit, we have to have all of our stuff out of the house and across the country in 30 days. Wow. Yeah. So that that was a long-winded way of, that's why we moved back. Um, you, to be closer to family, to sort of just see where this next stage takes us. And um, to be perfectly frank, everything um, with Jakir was kind of coming to a, like its own natural conclusion like we're still super close i talk to him like almost every day um and i still you know do work for him here and there but our the way he's making records and the way he's sort of uh crafting his career is just not um like conducive to having the team that he had anymore and um i was sort of doing a lot more on my own anyway so it was a, it was a natural time to separate and everyone thought I was his nephew anyways. So I was like, oh. <laughs> man, it's really funny how life tends to just like, if you kind of surrender to what either what your desires are or what life is asking of you, it kind of like closes and opens all the doors simultaneously to just kind of shepherd you into new places. Yeah, man. And it, it's wild. That's just been my 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 motto is just I'm kind of going with it I'm not not necessarily going with the flow and like living on momentum because that can that can lead you to some some bad spots too but just kind of you know when a when a door opens like let's consider it and then and then jump like that's how I found this place was another case of just like random luck where I (laughs) I went to the barber out here I found some barber shop went to it and it's like run by metalheads, like all touring musicians who are, they're you know not working and they're all got really good at cutting hair on the road. Now they have a barbershop. That's crazy. And I made friends with the guys, and this guy would like hit me up like a couple weeks later and was like, "Hey, I need I need to do a guest spot for some vocals. Can can you can you do it?" I was like, uh, "Absolutely." I just said yes because I didn't have a spot to record. I was working in on headphones in like my brother-in-law's like spare room, right? But my buddy has a, a studio here in Sunny Slope, and I text him. I was like, "Hey, can I use your spot for like a couple hours on Sunday?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> he's like, "No, I that's my day off. I need to rest." But somebody just moved out of the apartment in the back. We could set you up in there for the day if you need. And I was like, "Okay, cool." So I went and checked it out. I was like, well, this is this is pretty cool. Like, what do you got to get for this? And they're like, you know, it's it's 600 bucks a month to be here. And it's super close to the house. And I've got a, a little room to mix and a tiny, tiny room to do drums. But they seem to work and sound good. But it was just this thing of, like, I met a dude at a barbershop. And now I'm in a studio, you know? I was like, it's just those you just go with it and see what happens kind of thing. It's wild. Yeah, that's how it works, man. And just being open. Being yeah. open and not knowing where it's going to lead you and uh trying to make good decisions along the way. Yeah. It's incredible. You know that this sort of you moving the studio at home um I'm curious is you're married and mm-hmm. you have a you have kids you have yeah, five year old five one year old kid. one kid how do you how do you balance uh having a you know being a father and being a husband in an industry that frankly doesn't really reward people that have you know personal lives 
Sometimes poorly. Okay. That's a um, very honest answer. Yeah, you know, uh, sometimes really well. It just kind of like... Sometimes life is in balance and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think in my head, I have to allow space for the imbalances. Um, and just, it's my personality type, man. And my son is the same way. Like, I I obsess and I pour myself completely into something. And I get lost. And mm-hmm. I have to get lost. That's like part of the creative endeavor. Right. And... um so I will do that and then usually I'm pretty good about recognizing the fact that like oh man like I'm not um I I'm not allowing enough space for my family mm-hmm. and I kind of pull back and I do that I I something I do try to do really in every interaction is be very intentional and be a, just be present mm-hmm. and uh you know who said there's a quote that says something like the greatest gift that you can give someone is your attention Mm -hmm. and it's completely true and so often when we interact with people and man even when i'm with my family sometimes it's like our attention gets split yeah and that's when that's when people grow resentful and that's when people don't feel seen and that's when uh conflict can arise but Mm -hmm. it's like if if I find that with myself, if even if I only have two hours a day to give to my son and to my family, mm-hmm. the times when I do that and I am attentive and present, like that goes so much further than a full day of me on my phone, right? But or 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 whatever, worrying about a project or like anything. And so it's like it really comes down to the idea of of, of focused attention. Yeah. And and what it, what is what is the intent of this interaction? Okay. And like for me, especially with my son, it's like I want him to know that I love him deeply and that I see him mm-hmm. and that he is um you know, obviously there's some some needing to train him how to be a human. Right. And in that, you know, like there's correction but also let him know like hey man, you're great how you are. And which is hard to do to a five-year-old right? or for a five-year-old. But, um, I mean, it's, it's an important part of development. And, um, so it's like, you know, sometimes things get out of balance and we just have to, as a family, we have had to grow to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you know, be receptive. And when my wife tells me, it's like, Hey, like you're not spending enough time around here. Me being like, okay, I'm sorry. Um, I'm only move some stuff so that I can be present. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I think there's, when someone calls you out, whether it be like on a mix or it be in your life or, or whatever, it's like, there's a natural tendency to, to move into the spirit of defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Back foot and, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, man, there's just no need. People are, when pe- people are just telling you what they need. Yeah. And, uh, and you can, you know, Sometimes if Rachel's like, Rachel's my wife, mm-hmm. if she's like, hey, like you haven't been present, well, it's, you know, sometimes it's like, well, I'm right in the middle of this big record and uh, like, I just, I have to get to the other side of it. Right. Because we need to eat. 
Yeah. And so there's like that side of it too, to where it's like, we're just constantly weighing the needs of everybody and trying to make the best decisions based off that. But you know, it is hard. You're right. It's like, I did a record in September with this band and we rented a farmhouse, uh, down in Columbia, Tennessee. And I moved my whole studio down there and we lived there. And so it's like, well, shit, I'm not going to see my family for three weeks. That's just, yeah, or a month. Like that's going to be what that is. Wow. So, man, a lot of props to to families of people in the music business because it is hard. It is. It's really hard, and it's hard to stay. It's hard to stay in that path of grace and love. Yeah. It, you you know. feel like eventually the grace might run out, you know, at least for, like my wife is, yeah. has been a saint as far as putting up with the, the kind of uh, psychoticness that goes along with being in the music industry or, you know, I'm already kind of, I'm already a very emotional person and, and can be moody and, you know, she she unfortunately gets to deal with like the worst and best parts of me because when you get to when you get to work is you got to be a professional, right? Yeah, there's totally. you whatever the hell is going on. I'm here. I'm ready to go. We're gonna get this done, and then I'm you know, it's gonna be the best it can be. But then when you get home, and you're pissed off because you don't have any like you're getting home at eleven o'clock every night or midnight at night, and it's like you don't have any time to eat or like decompress and then you know they ask a simple question and i'm like wow you know you get spun out and it's like it's it's a tough thing and i i love your answer of you know not well sometimes that's an important (laughs) thing for people to understand is it doesn't like this is hard fucking work like to make it work like you have to put in the time um and communicate i think that's a really important thing that you touched on is like you know when your wife says hey you're not you're not here right now you're not present and then you being able to say like well look i'm i'm in the middle of a big project and i i can't be right now like the only way for me to really truly be present is to get through this and then reassess you know that's an important thing that i think people need to know is this is like it's tough it's always a balancing act and that's one of the things I really love and respect about Jakir that he's done in the last, I'd say, five years. You know, when I first started working with him, I worked every single day for like two years. Like, wow. I was working at Home Depot and Starbucks when I wasn't w- working with him, but it was like we were doing six days a week for like a year because we wow. just, ha- he had so many projects and was so hot. And, at the end of that like two year stretch where we were just hammered down and he just went like, look, I'm not going to do this anymore. I've got, I've only got a certain amount of years with my son in the house still before he leaves. And I want to make time to be around. So he's like, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm leaving at six or seven. And if we need to, I'll go later, but let's be, Let's be efficient with the time that we have here today. Let's not fuck around. And he made that choice and stuck to it. And it made a big difference in his life. I I always respect that for him. I think that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way of being. And it's just like, it, it goes back to what we started this whole conversation with. It's like music 
is a delivery mechanism of an emotion. Mm. And if you do not foster a healthy life and a healthy lifestyle, everything, everything is going to be worse. Everything right. is going to suffer. Yeah. So it's like, and man, this is, you know, I don't, you didn't, I don't know if you knew me back then, but like, you know, I've been on a sort of both mental health, spiritual health, physical health journey for the past seven, seven years mm -hmm. or so. And it's like, man, like when I worked at the owl and like, I was like suppressing some emotional truths about myself, drinking every day, mm -hmm. um, like eating super poorly, not exercising, like, man, it's just depression will sit on you, especially when you're not moving all day. Right. And it's like, well, then you're not, you're not create, like if your life is a, a tapestry of art, you're not creating the best art you can because in your body, you don't feel, you feel like shit. Yeah. And so it's like, put in the time, put in the time to spend with your community, to spend with your family, to spend with yourself. Yes. To... Uh, wrestle with the demons that you need to wrestle with to think clearly. Yes. Um, and, and for everybody that looks different, but it's the world would be such a better place if we all realized that before we can really like fully express ourselves, mm -hmm. we need to come to a place of understanding and love within ourselves. Right. And everything else can come out of that. And, and that shit takes work. It's not automatic. It's not... And it's uh, ugly work, too. It's not pleasant, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's, it certainly can be. That's a really important thing that I actually... Um, I, I really wanted to touch on in this conversation was the importance of a community outside of what you do for a profession. I think hmm. is important to yeah. separate the two. Whether it's yeah. a fitness... Like a fitness community or like whatever your hobby is. Like... For for me personally, like I I'm was on a similar, a similar trajectory that you just you know alluded to, whereas like I was eating like shit, sleeping like shit, like stressed out all the time, like just grinding my teeth away when I sleep, like just run out, like I my he re like resting heart rate was like a hundred, it was like terrible, Woo! you know, like just terrible, and. As soon as you, I started taking care of myself, like I started boxing, a boxing class, just anything to like, hey, this is, this looks interesting and also has the fun byproduct of getting in shape. Like as soon as you start taking care of yourself, the rest gets better. Like you perform better at work. You're less stressed out. It's, you're clearer mentally that like, like you said, you're, if you're trying to be a conduit and and help art and creativity it's really difficult to do that when you're full of mud and like yeah you're like your insides feel dark like when you're you know well fed well slept and more fit you just feel lighter and more vibrant i guess is the, for the lack of a vibrant's word. a good word but i i think it's important and and you touching on that, I think, is important uh, to mention as well. Like, what do you do? Do you do anything outside of 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 music that you is like your release or your like part of your your spiritual and, and physical journey you've been on? Like, what? Man, I've done. You know, 
yeah, God damn. I've done a lot of, a lot of work. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm constantly finding new things. I, you know, I had, my wife told me she was pregnant in, at the end of 2014. And, um, you know, uh, right before then, me and Gabe had had a huge, Gabe is just my best friend in the world. And we had had a huge falling out. Okay. And, um, Man, she told me she was pregnant, and I just remember this feeling of dread and this, like, uh, I wanted to have a kid, mm-hmm. but this voice came to me and said, Conrad, this child will not be who you tell them to be. He will be who you are. Mm-hmm. And then it asked me the question. It's like, what are you? And I was like, the answer was readily available. I was like, I am horribly unhappy. Yeah. And that responsibility falls on nobody. Like there was no victimization, there was yeah. no judgment, there was no like, there was just no blame to go around except for how I had uh, sculpted my life into yeah. what it was. And I was like, I got some serious, serious work to do to be a, uh, to use your word, a vibrant human being, and mm-hmm. um, it. For me, that whole journey kind of started with, uh, like the building blocks. Like, what am I putting in my body? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this is horrible. I need to change this yeah. and like go into like steamed vegetables and rice for a year, and uh, you know, bone broth. And yeah. okay, am I breathing well? Okay, I'm gonna learn how to breathe. Doing the Wim Hof stuff uh, so and the important. cold plunges getting super deep into psychedelics and allowing them to okay. completely ch- alter the perception and the way that I viewed my life because yeah. it, I needed it. I needed it badly. Yeah. Uh, um, I got, you know, I was 300 pounds when I decided to make this shift. Wow. And, um, I don't think you I know, so that. it's like, I couldn't really just jump right back into working out. Right. Or, or uh, and when I did, like I would, pull my shoulder or like something would go wrong with my body so it was like you know i'm gonna start i've just i've got to start at the it's like neo getting out of the matrix i've got to start at the base level yeah because i can't even like i don't have the the body the the physical ability to do anything right um so i mean i started doing just a little yoga app on my phone and i got way into it and then like a few years ago started going to um hot yoga east nashville mm-hmm. and built a community there there's just wonderful teachers there wonderful people that go and man i got a little crazy i got a little obsessed and and, and less so now because of the pandemic but yeah. like where i i just went almost every day for two years and um yeah it's like uh, treating my health and my mental health and my spiritual health like i do music yeah and 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 that is that there's always something new to be discovered and created. Yeah. And let me find what that new thing is. And so it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting topic to me and it's a really interesting place to explore and to talk to other people and see what they're doing. Um, because really like you're only limited by, you're only limited by your imagination in this Mm -hmm. and by what you're willing to do for yourself. Right. And it's remarkable how little people are willing to do for themselves, like on average. I just don't think they know what they're missing. Right. 
That's like my first my first psychedelic experience was with mushrooms, and I I, I didn't take very much, mm-hmm. but I took enough to where it was like, you know, the colors sort of shifted and everything became really bright and beautiful. And I remember like in my mind, it was like, like, you know, when you're like in a, you know, when you're in a airplane driving through it or flying through a thunderstorm Mm -hmm. and like there's lightning all around and it's dark and you can't see shit. And then like you're taking off and you get above the clouds and it's just sunshine and it's peaceful and it's perfect. It was like, it's like, I had this vision of me just like being a giant and sitting and my head was in the clouds and there's lightning and there's confusion and I can't see shit and it's just like utterly disorienting. Yeah. And then a voice came and was like, Conrad, just stand up. And I stand up and my head goes above the clouds and it's heaven. Yeah. I mean, there's just golden light beaming over the clouds and it's kind of sunset and it's like, I this feeling of peace just falls over me. Yeah. And it's like, Man, I needed that experience. I needed that experience to know what the other side could be. Yeah. You know, I ca- I came down off the mushrooms and and like kind of went back into the clouds a little bit. Sure. But that memory, the memory of of the golden light was of the sun was firmly fixed in my mind. It's like, oh, like I can work towards feeling this way all the time. Right. I can get there. And, yeah. And I just man, I don't know that people know that they can get there. That's true. I think I think it you know a lot of people get really wrapped up, get their identities really wrapped up in their careers. And that I think is one of the most dangerous things you can do for your happiness because guess what? When your career's not going well, life's not going well. Like sure. If you're not doing good at work, you know, you're not doing good at, at home either. And that's it's got this sort of ugly feedback loop that can happen is whereas like you said where if you work on yourself and you work on at home and you're happy regardless of what's going on like in your career or how successful you are then you're you have the clarity to help make those things happen you know what i'm trying to say yeah and i think that was you know that was a big revelation when i was you know in the throes of like being a shitty assistant or thinking that you know i'm gonna get fired or these people are doing better than me or whatever and it's just like that's not i'm not this project like i'm not this fear 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 fear, fear, exactly fear (laughs) yeah it's just like nonstop. i i told i told my buddy this the other day like when i was in the middle of that you know granted i wasn't taking care of myself i was working every single day and uh woefully underqualified for the job so thinking i'm gonna get found out at any moment too is like this just this fear 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 i had this sense of like if i just stopped and thought about it i could feel the earth spinning you know like and it was gonna throw me off if i wasn't if i thought about it too long and it's it's important to take those steps and like okay this is this is not this is not healthy this is me i need to get myself under control and and kind of uh, take the right steps to get myself healthy, and then what are your steps? Uh, well, for me, it was um, I had to just stop. I take everything really personally, as far not personally. I take everything really seriously. Like if I screw up a patch, like I'm thinking about it all day. Like it's just this negativity thing, you know. And you get uh, the feedback loop. Yeah, I I would just get into these feedback loops and just taking a step. 
uh, meditation was huge and like doing a guided, like I would do a guided 10 minute meditation every day before I go to work and like, just take these steps of like, why am I, why am I having a borderline panic attack before the session? I was like, oh, I'm having, yeah. I'm having this because I'm freaked out about not doing a good job. Like, okay, well doing, wanting to do a good job is a good thing. This is a positive, like you care. So let's just. You just sort of break these things down. I'd have to break things down into these little steps. And then, um, you know, for me, finding I found boxing. And from there, I found Muay Thai, which, like, offered me a community and also just some confidence outside of that to where I felt good, you know. And yeah, feeling good and, um, you know, dressing the part. Like, for me, I look like I'm 10. So if I don't dress normal, like... Or if I don't like kind of dress up and take the way I look seriously, more serious, uh, everyone just thinks I'm the intern or, you know, like shouldn't be in the room when they're having the conversations. Um, That's a horrible feeling. Yeah. And that's a horrible feeling. It is. And it took me a while to be like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, I look like I'm 10 and I'm dressed like shit. Like I need to take I don't take myself seriously because that's, I mean, I take what I do seriously, but not myself, if that makes sense. So I would, you know, start dressing the part a little bit more. Um, and when you look good or when you think you look good, you feel better. So it's just, for me, it just took a lot of steps of like getting the fear under control and then just feeling more confident. And once you start that path, it it can have a positive feedback loop of like, you just get these positive things reinforced of like, oh, I'm more relaxed. I'm doing my job better. Now I don't need to freak out as much. Oh, no, I've done this a million times. I can do this. And then you just go from there. I think that's the idea of karma. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we kind of like mistake what it's like. Oh, if you do a shitty thing to somebody, it's going to come back and get you. It's like, well, no, it's like, what about the momentum of which you are orienting your life? Oh, and it's just yeah. like if you do something good for yourself and then do another thing and another thing. It's just the cascading effects of all of those things. Yes. It's just going to propel you into a better place. Yes. That's a hundred percent. And that's actually another thing. I put a post on about this on Instagram the other day is one of the things where I would get into these negative mindsets or like, why, why don't I have gigs? Like I can't get these, you know, I missed this mix thing or like I would just start to spiral and I'd get out of my head by, going and helping somebody else like wow um you know i mentioned muay thai like the muay thai gym i went to there were i was there for like i would save up because i didn't have enough to be like a member so i would go for like i'd save up and go for like a private so i could like get some more work in right and he mentioned like oh we're moving gyms next week like oh i got a truck do you need help you know and then amazing yeah that'd be great help them move the gym and then now you've made a relationship and he's like, well, why don't you just, just come train with us for a little while? Like you, I'm not worried about the money for, for the moment, just come train. And then, um, you know, having another, an artist friend that's like, Oh, you know, I need these, I need these mixes done, but I just, I don't have the money. And I'm like, well, send it over. I got nothing going on. Let's just get it done. You know? And those things always lead to more, just to more. Yep. And, that that was one of the like the big light bulb moments was like, oh yeah, if I'm just gracious with whatever I can offer to somebody, it always comes back around. So that's beautiful. And even if it's like 
if it's not in a tangible way, it comes back around immediately emotionally. Oh, yeah. Which is like huge. Yeah. If huge. You, if it, it almost doesn't feel right because you're like, oh, now I feel good and I did some, like, yeah. It's like, hey, man, if you feel like shit, well, do something that feels good. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the easiest thing. We never think about it. No, you don't. So <laughs> you mentioned your psychedelics um, experimentation. And then you've you've recently launched a, uh, I guess it's, a solo project, right? That you, yeah, you're sort yeah, of yeah. delving into your if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you're sort of delving into the like your journey with psychedelics in in this music, right? Or Yeah, I mean, psychedelics something. have a small they have a, like it's basically like the the lessons that I've I've been taught. Yeah. So tell through, me through psychedelics. Tell me about this this project, how it came about. Um man, uh, m- my wife and I have had a pretty like rough, pr- a pretty trying couple years, and um, you know, really c- have experienced well a lot of healing, but also a lot of pain. And and uh, I found myself. I've always written music, but I was uh, alone in the house. They had gone up to Kansas City to visit family, and I had had I had a project, so I couldn't go. I was just feeling like just really kind of really vulnerable and really kind of, uh, man, I'm lacking the, I'm not finding the words, but, um, I was unable to get myself out of a shitty perspective Mm -hmm. of how I was viewing our relationship, how I was viewing my life. And, um, I just kind of instinctually picked up a guitar and man, I I was lucky I hit record because I just played the song and the words came to me and it felt, you know, it's, it was one of those moments that felt external as though I was being sung to. Yeah. And um, it, it, that kind of kicked it off of just like sitting down with the guitar and allowing, I mean, I don't really, ex, uh, allowing my spirit to speak truth to my situations and oh. to other situations. Yeah. And, and and by truth, I just mean the fact that everything is love. And love is the only lens to look through any situation. Mm. And that, like, whether it be the feeling of betrayal or the fear of death or mm-hmm. <laughs> the idea of getting older, um, you know, it's all it's all wrapped in this veneer of love. And, and that's a real that's a real perspective to inhabit Mm -hmm. and that we don't, um, that well, me personally, but I think us as, as a greater culture sort of just view life in the incorrect way and it keeps us isolated and it keeps us from experiencing the fullness and the depth of what life could offer. And, um, it just, man, that's where, it was sort of out of a need for catharsis is where the songs just started to come in. And um, my friend, Andrew Herringer, he was in this band Milo Green. I don't know if you've heard of them, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, he really connected with one of the songs. And, and so last year I went to uh, L.A. and we recorded a handful of them. And I mean, just so many people being very encouraging for me to do it so i just like started doing it yeah. and um yeah i'm kind of like slowly putting that stuff out 
That's awesome. Are you are you gonna put out like a full length or? Um, I have a full length. I'm I'm gonna do a single. Um, in March, mm-hmm. uh, I think March. To, I don't know when. Sometime in March, middle March. Okay. Um, and just do some singles, kind of for a few months and then do an EP and then I've got a second EP together that I'll probably bundle as a as a full length. That's awesome. But but also releasing meditations and just like, you know, some of my writings as I sit and uh reflect. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. That's great. And what's the project called? Uh it's called Soul. It's my middle name, S O L L. Wow. That's cool. Soul. Yeah. It, it's kind of interesting, man. It's like this journey. Um, so Conrad, uh, my name means wise counselor in German, but then my middle name means uh, man of peace. And it's like, it's funny because it's like this whole seven year process has been me arriving in my life to a perspective of peace and like an end to the suffering in which I was just allowing my space yeah. My, myself to be in wow that's just kind of weird man it's kind of yeah, funny it is crazy it's like you took that long it's to sort of embody your own name your own self yeah. which is wow that kind of hurts my brain um i want to move into a couple rapid fire questions just to sort of round, this, round this out nothing nothing too drastic here but okay. best bad action movie from the 80s or 90s or your favorite rather if you have one um I mean my favorite I don't I don't think it's bad I think it's classic I love Alien oh yeah that's so good it's so good it's so good uh most also any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie I mean I love Arnold any yeah we're of that how old are you your early 30s uh 36 yeah I mean we're in that prime Arnold generation I mean everything he did was just golden um most overrated piece of gear most overrated? Oh man. Uh <laughs> shit. I don't know cuz as I'm as things are popping up in my head I'm like, well that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I That's know. actually pretty good. Um fuck. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I, is, I can't I I don't think one. I can answer that. That's that's fair. That's that's an answer. I like it. The man that can find a use for anything. I, I like it. Uh, dream car. Dream car. Um, I love my Tacoma, but probably, uh, I mean, Tesla Model X or the Cybertruck. I oh, mean, yeah. those are so sick. It'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think I would, yeah. The Model X is awesome too. I mean, I was listening to the most recent, like, Elon interview where he's talking about he basically he calls that like the Fabergé egg of cars and the amount of shit yeah. that they put in that car is like just mind-blowing um what's your favorite meal uh, cheat day meal pizza pizza i mean pizza's amazing folk from folk have you been to folk no here in town where's that Woo! um you know uh rolf and daughters yeah it's like an Italian place, so they have like a like a sister restaurant that okay. basically like specializes in these sourdough crust pizzas. It, oh, it's man. like it's pretty bougie, but yeah. it's really good. Damn. Um, otherwise, man, I just keep it simple. I do like a bunch of greens, bunch of veggies, and um, protein. Yeah, and uh, I do uh, ground elk. 
nice. which is really good. I love elk. That's one of my favorites. It's hard to hard to get around here. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with this one. What's your the favorite piece of gear that you own? Um, how about that? I just have in my studio. Yeah, because uh, I th- so that console actually isn't even mine. It's a band's that okay. they parked at my place, which is amazing. Yeah. But they have a they have a vintage LA two A that um, is parked here, and it's like like I don't understand how it's doing what it's doing. There are some of those. It's just like crazy. Yeah, it's like it feels like it's almost doing some like multi band compression in a way that it just balance. It's balancing frequencies as it's compressing. It's it's so weird how that those things. I mean, we had one at Blackbird GR one two seven. I think is the serial. Like I had the serial number written down forever because it was just like we always grab this one because it was yeah. just like ah, it doesn't make sense. Why does it sound like this? Well, this one was one of the like new old stock reissues that they did in the nineties. So it was like all the like stuff from fucking forever ago before they stopped manufacturing it and then they did a yeah another release. And man, it like that with another vintage eleven seventy six right behind it, like mm. dude, it's just crazy. Also, the sorry, I said like five things, but the um, the BL forty, the Yuri BL forty the uh, broadcasting compressor. Oh, I've not used one of those. Boy, boy, oh boy! Really? It's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. So you like in place of the LA two A? Not. Like, no, nah, this is like like external. Like for me, I use it as like external processing. Like oh, I'll okay. run. I mean, so I have two of them, and I'll run. Um, like even a mono, they both hit so differently, and you cannot match them. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So they're compressing at different times. They're hitting different, like yeah, different frequencies at different times. So I'll send a mono signal through it to stereoize it because it's just oh. going to like completely change what's happening, and it's like a different way to have a stereo feel without like you know adding delay or yeah. adding you know some actual space. Or, yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. I'd love to actually hear that in person. Um, that's it for rapid fire questions. Since um, since I'm calling this podcast one more for safety, which is just sort of a, a nod to the recording industry. And if you've ever made a record, you've heard that a million fucking times because it's just tossed around. Um, this is sort of my one more for safety question here. Is um, I thought about this one. There's a couple different, but I think I'm going to go with if. If you won the lottery right now and you've got generational wealth, you don't have to worry about you or your kids, what do you do with your life? Do you continue making music? What do you do? I would do exactly what I'm doing. Um, I would, um, and I've, I've always actually thought about that from an early age, and it was really important to me, and even more so as I journeyed into a, a place of like real health mm-hmm. uh, for myself that I that money is not an excuse to not orient your life the way you want it. And um, obviously money uh, can expedite certain things. Um, but man, like as far as we know, we get one life. Maybe we get multiple ones, but you only get one life of this life. I'm only Conrad one time. Right. And so, like, as the Conrad character, what 
the fuck do I want this life to look like? And sometimes, man, I get stuck. Sometimes I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I kind of find myself in that place now. But even within the being stuck, man, I know that I want to exude joy and love and grace and uh, gratitude. Uh, and man, th- if I won the lottery, I, that wouldn't change. I would still want those things. Um, and I would still want to create. You know, now granted, I would probably work less. Uh, it really like, I don't really do anything I don't like. So that's good. I'm lucky in that. Like, yeah. I don't have any like projects where I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I have to do this. Um, oh boy, I am still there. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> no, mean, I just... you know, granted, like, I'm sure I'll take stuff on, but I really try to only do things that I believe in. Yeah. Um, which, man, uh, uh, changes the quality of life Um, yeah but you know i'd probably live somewhere a little more into nature move at move at a slower pace like i've found that i really like a slow pace i like connecting with my body and so i would you know i would probably have more like a three to four hour workout period that's mm-hmm. a little slower to where it's like, you know, I could hit a sauna, I could hit an ice bath, I could do some weights, I could do yoga, yeah. get a massage, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. just do the things that I know. It's like, hey, man, you're not going to feel bad. Like, if you're doing all that shit every day, oh. there's n- nothing, nothing will phase you. No. Like, no. somebody could come out with you, come to you with the worst energy, and you'd be like, oh, okay, man, you know, I love you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and they'd be like, Whatever. what is going on? Yeah, yeah. No. Um, so yeah, man, I would just keep doing what I'm doing and, uh, help, uh, uh hopefully help people, you know, with that money, figure out what they want to do. Yeah. Cause if we're all, if we're all living the best life we can, man, that just, that means everything's going to be better. If everybody's happy, everything's better. hundred percent. Yeah. I love that answer. That's a great answer. That's, um, that's it for me, man. That's all. I'm I'm really really glad we got to do this. This was a I lot of fun. really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for um, uh, continually reaching out. I kind of space a lot. No, no, um, I'm I'm not worried about it. I I really wanted to talk to you. I really wanted to have you on. I thought this would be a lot of fun, and I was really excited to do this, and it did not disappoint. So I'm really grateful that you did this, and uh, I hope that we get to have more conversations like this, but just stay in touch in general because I'm a, a big fan of what you do and how you do it. So thank you, brother. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it, man. How cool is Conrad? Seriously. Um, I'm having a hard time putting into words how much I enjoyed that conversation and how much it meant to me, um, for him to be so open and honest. I mean, you guys, we don't really know each other. We know of each other. Um, but that's really the first time we've sat down and talked and to be so transparent and inviting is uh is a really rare thing and i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did but to be honest if you didn't it's not going to change anything for me um look we've got more fun awesome stuff coming up soon so stay tuned